This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by Lord Jason of House Ross, Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Lord Adam, the Young Bull of House Parker, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, the Ghost of Harrenhal, Lord Nelson of the Long Isle, the Mother of Cats, Sir Joshua of House Ross, Lady Kendall of House Taylor, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Lord Hunter the Foulmouthed, Captain of the Guard, Sir Dustin the Rooster Knight, Captain of the Guard, Sir Ron of House Golson, Captain of the Guard, Lady Amanda, Captain of the Guard. Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we're into chapter 58, Eddard 15 of A Game of Thrones, and we are fired. Fired up, my friend. Yeah. Some fire and blood, you know, has just been... um, You know, I don't know what it is. You know, Sir Ezra, one of the things I think that a lot of people are experiencing right now is some Game of Thrones hangover. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. You know, there was two years of buildup and, and even more for so many other people just waiting for season eight. And then season eight came out, and I think a lot of people were just either disappointed or just emotionally drained from it. I know you and I kind of were. Yeah. And now that, you know, we've been back into the books these past couple of weeks, and I'm going back and I'm listening to the audiobooks and I'm doing more research and I'm listening to Duncan Egg and I'm listening to Fire and Blood. And I'm listening to the World of Ice and Fire. Come on. I'm just starting to get back into it. Um, yeah. You know, and just the theories, the speculation that exists in the realm of the books uh-huh. that doesn't really exist in the show. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, last night when we recorded the first. Um, show watchers guide to the books i was fired up i mean we, like we mm-hmm. were back explaining the differences and i think it really just like lit this fire in us to go do more research to get back in we're, we're recording um a green dream tonight so just yeah I'm, I'm fired up man like we're we're back in the books i mean we've got a maester study pulled up we've got you know tourney at heron hall we're back discussing the theories that you mm-hmm. know it's yeah it's it's great. And one of the things, you know, one of the things we talked about as we as we started turning back towards the books, um, you know, we we've we've talked a lot about the ending of Game of Thrones. And is it going to be the same way in the books? Is it and the stuff? And the more we go back to the books, the more I say absolutely not. Yeah. Yep. You know, I did a, I did amusing last week on Patreon talking about the original outline that we saw and Game of Thrones and kind of what we saw, what we've seen so far in A Song of Ice and Fire. And even if you go back to Gurr's original outline, I think that some of, you know, there'll be some similarities, but I think it's way different. Agreed. And uh, yeah. And, 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 and so I'm just, man, I'm just getting fired up because I, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's, it's all going to be totally different. And it's, And there's just there's way more foreshadowing, way more magic, uh-huh. way more characters, well, just more. Yeah. Well, well so again, I, I go back to like last night we were talking about Lady Stoneheart and just the difference there. So she's not even in the she's not even in the show. Yeah. I mean, back to her. But Beric Dondarrion has laid down his life for her, supposedly. I keep hoping he's coming back. But I mean, maybe he took the place of her character in the show. You know what I mean? So maybe. 
she's someone um and you know people will have to go listen to that that episode that's our lowest tier just a dollar to go listen to that we went on for mm-hmm. almost 30 minutes talking about that mm-hmm. stuff <laughs> so we can't help ourselves yeah like, lady lady stoneheart blood raven and uh aegon targaryen or young griff and just how these characters who have major elements in the books that aren't in the show and are they going to be blended some way and we're actually going to do that was just a brief kind of overview as to who those characters are you and i are actually getting ready to record a patreon episode after this where we go into deep theories about them and that'll be much more immersive absolutely yeah yep so we're excited, man. Pumped. We got some collaborations we've been talking about. We've got some cool, you know, channel news coming. Patreon's fired up. So there's just there's just good stuff on the horizon. It feels good. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I'm pumped. Yeah. So um all right. Uh so let's go ahead and head on over to small council a little bit. How you doing, my friend? Well, good. Um a couple updates here. I've I've kind of switched around the studio a bit. If it sounds a tidbit echoey, I'm gonna fix uh, some of that, but I've I've got to got to fill the space in here in this in this new room that I'm in because uh, I have relocated, kind of kind of moved, and uh, I'm setting up a really really cool. Um, I, I call it like a studio. I mean, it's 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 up in this loft. It's it's sick. It's fantastic. I've got so mm-hmm. much more room, so I'm pumped. I'm working on that, and because uh, we've got a lot of projects that we do together, and so we just needed to needed to upgrade a little bit, and we've been able to do mm-hmm. that, which is fantastic. So yeah, yeah absolutely feeling great. Yeah, I I also will be doing a somewhat of a studio upgrade here in a couple of weeks. I've I've told you off the air about uh, some of the uh, you know water issues I've been having here at the uh, at the house, and so I have to have some guys come in and climb into the crawl space to do some uh, quite a lot of renovate renovations to couple drowned priests. Right? <laughs> yeah, quite a bit uh, down there. Unfortunately, I live in a, a bad spot on the water table here in uh, Portland, but. So going to be doing that, but the crawl space just happens to be in the office where I record. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to have to tear it all down and I'll be tearing it all down. And when I come back from Ohio, because I'm uh, flying out to Ohio for a couple of days, uh, kind of for my birthday. And Sir Ezra and I are actually going to be doing, we owe you guys a couple things. We owe mm-hmm. you a an archery contest. So we're going to be, um, we're going to be doing that. It's going to be a lot of fun. But when I come back, I'm going to be piecing together uh, the office. And so I've got a couple of new things. I'm going to set it up differently, possibly get some stuff to help out, drown out a little, some of the echo in this room. There's n- this room fortunately is carpeted. So that doesn't really seem to cause a lot of issue, but just, you know, some more things, some minor, minor upgrades. Yeah. Some, some, some tweaking. Uh, I do want to tell our listeners that, uh, when you first sent me, you told me you were having the troubles that you were having with the flooding. I just pictured you down there, you know what's dead may never die. Baptizing him, either John the Baptist like mm. or something. <laughs> Sir Ben's down there. Oh my gosh, dude, that water issue, man. Jeez. Yeah, it's a water issue. We had some electrical issues, like some slugs. Hey, There's those like don't mix. Pumps down there, oh and gosh. some slugs crawled onto the outlet. And dude. yeah, you know the, wow. <laughs> those slugs are definitely dead. They they're not coming back. So dude, wow. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I was doing that. Actually, there was a day that we were recording. And I was like, man, the power keeps going out. I got to figure this out. And so uh, wow. ended, up, ended up working out. But <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so that's what's kind of going on in Sir Ezra and I's life. Yeah. Um, if you guys want to follow us on social media, be sure to do so at Super Gains Bros is where you can find me. And uh, Sir Ezra, where can people find you at 
Yeah. On the internet. Yeah, on the internet. Uh, I'm actually back on Instagram now and on Facebook and on Twitter. I had to take a little bit of a hiatus there, but I kept the Twitter active. Mm-hmm. So uh, at at underscore 2M is where you can find me. I wish you good fortune in the wars to come. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, which does include the Star Wars. And uh, yeah. as you guys know, as we've talked a little bit about, we have started a new podcast called Hyperspace Hangout. It is a Star Wars podcast. Be sure to check it out. Yeah. But we're not here to talk Star Wars. Right. Sir Ezra, we're here to talk about Game yeah. of Thrones or better yet, a song Come on. of ice <laughs> and fire. That's, right. That's what it is. It's the, what game, it is. the Game of Thrones is over. It's okay? over. It's Although done. they're. Although it is referenced in this chapter, right, and well, we'll get to that. We're still, but, in, the, um, we're still in the first book, so... <laughs> let's head over... Yes, uh, let's head over to the Maester study, yeah. and today we're going to be talking very briefly about the attorney at Harrenhal. Yeah, yeah, we are. So in the Maester study, I've, I've really liked this. I think oftentimes, you know, when, when uh, George is doing... Uh, in this first book especially, he's doing world-building, right? So he makes these references to great tourneys or the mad king or this group of king's guard that are not around anymore and so to me it's making a lot of sense to kind of it's almost like a, a version of cool connections which we do at the end of the chapter just to do it beforehand and kind of talk about this tourney at Harrenhal that is referenced because we'll, we'll find out later that Eddard is is down in the black cells and starts to kind of we know that he he's drifted in and out of dreams and he kind of recalls some of his time briefly at the tourney at Harrenhal, which is also known as Lord Wint's Great Tournament. It was held in 281 AC, the year of the fall spring. So this is actually, it's kind of cool that this is working out the way that it is because we believe that the tourney of Harrenhal is extremely important to understanding everything pretty much the whole setup to this um a song of ice and fire series what happened what were the motivations for it were there some secret plots all that kind of stuff which we will be covering in our patreon series really in depth like a four-parter i think is what we've Mm, got planned yeah we have a monster we have a monstrous uh theory that we've uh we've we've found i think it's really good Uh, there's it's very very deep it provides just all the information you could ever want. It's going to be a four-part series, and we're going to start this next month uh, in July, and I think people are really, really going to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, and so for a teaser on that, I just thought I would mention a couple things here. So we talk about the Kingsguard. Jamie Lannister shows up in this chapter, and at the tourney at Harrenhal, a young 15-year-old, uh, Sir Jamie Lannister, was admitted into the Order of the Kingsguard. But to set this tournament up, uh, Sir Oswell went of the Kingsguard, he, he kind of goes to Lord Walter Wint, and he's, he's sent, I believe, by Rhaegar to set this tourney up, and it may be a front for a conspiracy. So that's the short of it, if you will. And we're going to go in-depth on that, but there's it, the, the whole tourney is a big front, and there's conspiring going on behind the scenes, and then something mm-hmm. goes wrong. <laughs> Well, and one of the things I want to bring up, as we we talked about again about kind of uh, that Patreon series we started, a show watcher's guide to the books, you know, you and I had talked before season eight about, okay, so we're going to get an ending. Whether it is the ending or not is, isn't is necessarily important. What I was most excited for was some of the whys. Uh-huh. 
and we got zero of that. Yeah. We still have no idea as to why Rhaegar and Lyanna yeah, right. either ran off or whether she was kidnapped. You know, in the show, obviously, it's far more on the they ran off together, but there's no explanation why. Yeah, not Is at it all. that they just loved each other? Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. the books lead us to believe that, you know, we'll talk about it here when there's a line from the chapter, that's when all the smiles died. Uh-huh. That's is right. when that's right. Rhaegar crowns Lyanna queen of love, love and beauty. Yeah. And does he do that because he just thinks she's beautiful? Does he do it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just to be, to make a scene? Yeah. And then yeah. does he, or, you know, I mean, you can, people look as far as he needs three heads of the dragon. He needs mm-hmm. to create the song of ice and fire. So mm-hmm. does he know about the White Walkers? There's so many questions about Rhaegar and Lyanna yeah. and the tourney of Hall that the show didn't even get us. We didn't even get why Rhaegar and Lyanna fell in love. No. Or did so, they fall in love? Right. Did they? It doesn't. Yeah. It, it it doesn't entirely even say. It's just they, they glance over it so briefly in mm-hmm. the last season that. All of those questions still exist and are, you know, we're just waiting for Gurr to tell us in the books. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so this is, I think that, I think it'll be important and we'll talk more about it as we get into some of the chapter, but you just need to understand that it was the setup to all of this. It's sort of what, you know, kicks off because after the tourney, we have Robert's Rebellion essentially starts up. We'll have a couple events that take place in between the tourney at Heron Hall and then Robert's Rebellion. But then from there, uh, we're, we're off and running we're, we're you know um we're taking out the mad king and people are being beheaded and there's a tower of joy and it just gets there's a, there's so much that happens between mm-hmm. the tourney at heron hall and the start of our story uh, or even just the ending of, of robert's rebellion that so much mystery that we don't know about that we have to kind of speculate on so i i think and that's what he's done so well is when new characters come in to our story. It's why I'm hoping in Winds of Winter, I guarantee you in Winds of Winter, we're going to have someone else reminiscing about the tourney at Hall and starting to give us more clues, more answers. I just kind of believe mm-hmm. that's what's going to happen. Now, I, but again, George doesn't like to give you everything. He likes to leave stuff to the imagination and sort of leave enough clues to where you should be able to piece it together and figure out what motivations were there. You know, the secret go-between uh, for Rhaegar, knowing that he's close to Oswell Went and that he's sending him to his his elder brother at Harrenhal to set up this tourney and and funding it essentially because it's so massive that the like House Went could not have funded this on their own. Absolutely right. You know? Absolutely. So, yeah. so things like that. But so yeah, there you go. So. Just a quick little quick little maester study. So tourney at Harrenhal two eighty one. So mm-hmm. yeah, stay t- stay tuned. Right. Um, all right, let's head on over to the reread. This week we are in Edard fifteen. Last week, we were in Sansa 5, where Sansa had attended Joffrey's first court session as king, and it did not uh, go very well. Uh, no. let's, let's just say that. Right. Uh, the Hound is... Uh, Barristan Selmy gets kicked out of the Kingsguard. The Hound is then his replacement on the Kingsguard. Jamie Lannister is now named the Lord Commander of the Kingsguard, and Sansa begs mercy for her father, which kind of sets up this chapter. But the last time we were with Eddard um, was after King Robert's death. He had convinced the small council to confirm him as protector of the realm. However, the council is interrupted by a summons to the throne room where King Joffrey demands oath and fealty. 
Uh, Queen Cersei destroys Robert's will, and Ned declares Joffrey has no right to the Iron Throne. Ned calls for the City Watch to seize Cersei and her children, but the Gold Cloaks instead kill Ned's men, and Littlefinger reveals his betrayal. So this week, Eddard 15, Ned is visited by the Black in the Black Cells by Varys, who brings him news. He urges Ned to admit treason, command Rob to lay down his sword, and denounce Stannis and Renly. When Eddard states that his life is not worth forsaking his honor, Varys tells him that Cersei has Sansa, whose life is also at stake. Yeah, yeah I mean... This is a good one. We said this is a good one. This is a really good chapter. There's a yeah. lot of fever dreams in here. There is mm-hmm. uh, a lot of a lot of good insight to Varys's character and Ned's yeah. character. So, right. um, as always, I like to read about the first paragraph. So, the straw on the floor stank of urine. There was no window, no bed, not even a slop bucket. He remembered walls of pale red stone, uh, festened with patches of. Nader, a gray door of splintered wood, four inches thick and studded with iron. He had seen them briefly, a quick glimpse as they shoved him inside. Once the door had slammed shut, he had seen no more. The dark was absolute. He had as well been blind. (laughs) Well, let's be honest. He, he, he was blind. Okay. To the, to, to everything, to the game of thrones, uh, w- when you play the Game of Thrones, you either live or you die, Sir Matt. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. I mean, so that that's what mm-hmm. Cersei kind of says to him. I mean, this I feel really bad for Eddard here because it's he he lives by a code. He's one of these men who truly lives by by this code and is not willing to bend or or break it uh, or or doesn't very often, I guess, if you will. And it can get it can get you in trouble. I mean, he's predictable. Cersei can outplay him because of that, because she knows what he's going to do, so she can exactly. plan ahead. And that's the the downfall of these northern men. It's actually what's so ironic about his son, the young wolf, which we'll talk about later, is that he is not um, predictable. He's very unpredictable, and he does some risky things, and he's able to outmaneuver the lion. So, kind of, kind of, maybe. The son is, you know, learning that, uh, I don't know, you, you, you have to be sort of non-traditional, I guess, in, in a sense, to, to combat some of these Lannister folk, because it, he's just, he's totally outmaneuvered. He, he's, like, cursing these men, right? While mm-hmm. he's down here in the dungeons. Yeah, because that's, he just has a lot of time to think, and so that's what he does. You know, it talks about, like, the day, hours turned into days, and, and, and things like that, and he still has... His leg is still injured too, so keep that in mind. He's still he's still he's still in quite a lot of pain as he lays down there, and he starts thinking of people. He thinks of Cat. He thinks of Rob. Yeah. Um. You know, and he thinks of Cersei. He he thinks about all of it, but he ends up thinking about Robert. And he has kind of this this dream where he's he's actually speaking to Robert and he's talking <laughs> about how he failed him. Yeah. Yep. And um, you know, too proud to listen. Can you eat your pride, Stark? Will honor shield your children. Uh, cracks ran down his face, fissures opening in the flesh, and he reached up and ripped the mask away. It was not Robert at all. It was Littlefinger grinning, mocking him. And so uh, he's just having these kind of these dreams or, or visions here. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, it's someone that later on, I think it's it's Varys says, why didn't you play along? Why couldn't you just play along with, with Littlefinger's little, you know, his, his advice, which was to play the game. I mean, he actually gave, he told him to play along with Cersei. 
but uh, mm-hmm. he just he can't. Even Littlefinger begs him to play along. Even yeah. even Cersei begs him to play along yep. at one point. Yep. Be- because I think really what they want, they don't want war. You know, I mean, Cersei doesn't want war. I mean, she's already got the throne. She has her son sitting there. She's gotten rid of Robert. She's done all this stuff in the in the shadows with Littlefinger and all the conniving. Um, so why, you know, she wants a stable north and she wants them to stay up in the north and stay away and just bend the mm-hmm. knee. Well, Varys, when he's talking, when he comes in and talks to Ned later, he talks about, um, actually, I have, the, I have the line highlighted here. Um, oh, sorry, a different one. So here's Cersei's nightmare. While her father and brother spend their power battling Starks and Tullys, Lord Stannis will land, proclaim himself king, and lop off her son's curly blonde head and her own in the bargain. Though I truly believe she cares more about the boy. Stannis Baratheon is Robert's true heir, Ned said. The throne is his by right. I would welcome his ascent. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, just, yeah, again, um, he's, he's remorseful in, in this. And, and uh, he sees several people, as you say. He's, you, you mentioned Robert. He uh, sees him. He curses all of these different people. Janice Slint, the Gold Cloaks, the, the Queen, Kingslayer, Pycelle, Varys. Even Sir Barristan gets a curse in there, which is nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I have to say, uh, Sir Barristan, I don't think had had much to do with any of this but yeah let's let's move on here to um where he's he has this uh he tells robert that he that he hid the truth from him and that he lied and that he mm-hmm. that he failed him i thought that was interesting because we, we talk about how i kind of rephrased it earlier when i said that he lives by this code and always lives by this code he he, he i don't know it he d- he does lie. <laughs> he is able to fit, bend and distort the truth and and keep promises. And by keeping a promise, then you have to tell a lie. That's the whole thing. That's the whole um, bit that he's in with with um, Liana and John and what have you. So I failed right. you. Yeah, I failed you, Robert. Um, he could not say the words. I lied to you. Hid the truth. I let them kill you. Uh, you know, and the king's going back and forth with him, calling him a stiff neck fool and, and and what have you. And it's just. That part is just, um, it's interesting because you talk about his character, right? And we always think he's super honorable. He would never lie. But he does that little, um, instead of telling King Robert on his deathbed that these children are not yours, you know, that might have sparked a little bit more life in him to do it, to make a few maneuvers, you know, the king's mm-hmm. orders and call the council into the room and, and straighten things out. So... I don't know, because his brother was still there at the time. Renly was still there. There was still a chance for that. But then Ned tries to spare him of that pain and that hurt while he's on his deathbed. And he does the little, yeah. like, I'll protect your trueborn, you know, your, your children or heirs or what have you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, just interesting. So, uh, okay, I think we should go ahead and get to the uh, the dream he has. I'm going to read uh, quite a, uh, it's not a super long passage, but just, I feel like, I feel like it just needs to be read. Mm-hmm. He could no longer tell the difference between walking and sleeping. The memory came creeping upon him in the darkness as vivid as a dream. It was the year of the fall spring, and he was 18 again, down from the Erie to the tourney at Harrenhal. He could see the deep green of the grass and smell the pollen on the wind, warm days and cool nights, and the sweet taste of wine. He remembered Brandon's laughter, Robert's berserk valor in the melee, and the way he laughed as an unhorsed man left uh, as he unhorsed men left and right. 
He remembered Jamie Lannister, a golden youth in scaled white armor, kneeling on the grass in front of the king's pavilion and making his vows to protect and defend King Aerys. Afterwards, Sir Oswald went, helped Jamie to his feet, and the white bull himself, Lord Commander Gerald Hightower, fastened the snowy cloak of the king's guard about his shoulders. All six white swords were there to welcome the newest brother. Yet when the jousting began, the day belonged to Rhaegar Targaryen, the crown prince who... Who um who wore the armor he would die in gleaming black plate with three headed the three headed dragon of his house wrought in rubies on the breast a plume of scarlet silk streamed behind him when he rode and it seemed no lance could touch him Brandon fell to him and the bronze Jan Royce and even the splendid Sir Arthur Dane the sword of the morning. Robert had been jesting with John and old Lord Hunter as the prince circled the field and after unhorsing Sir Barrison's Sir Barristan in the final tilt to claim the champion's crown, Ned remembered the moment when all the smiles died. When Prince Rhaegar Targaryen urged his horse past his own wife, the Dornish princess Elia Martell, to lay the queen of beauty's laurel in Lyanna's lap. He could still see it a crown of winter roses blue as frost. Ned Stark reached out his hand to grasp the flowery crown, but beneath the pale blue petals, the thorns lay hidden. He felt them crawling at his sharp uh, at his skin sharp and cruel saw the slow trickle of blood run down his fingers and woke trembling in the dark promise me ned his sister had whispered from her bed of blood she had loved the scent of winter roses god save me ned wept i am going mad and the gods did not answer no no they did not my friend they did not answer why does he do it uh, I want to mention something real quick. So he rode right past Elia Martell in giving the in, in crowning Liana the um, Queen of Love and Beauty, and we had mentioned earlier like needing three heads to the dragon. And and, and I just want to note this for everyone that Elia Martell could no longer bear children um, after her last son, and so it was sort of she was so weak and um, had handmaidens around her like Ashara Dane, and was not able to bear any more children. So. That could have been one of the reasons, because I always ask the question, why? Why did he do it? And and it's it's a it's a memory that comes back to Eddard. So it makes me think, you know, he's the one who he's thinking about it. Who else is thinking about this tourney? Are are people? Th- is this something that many many folks are thinking about? You know, um, throughout the series, and, and we do have others, but uh, it's it's just really interesting, isn't it? You know, I mean, like, and first of all, Rhaegar's a boss with the, with the lance. He's he's tearing people up, which is fantastic. Um, but uh, yeah, Jamie Lannister is is uh, given his white cloak, and uh, it's it's a cool scene, man. It's it's a really cool scene. Um, and he's also in a fever dream. So, you know, I think when you first read this, you wonder is can we trust everything that's being, you know, said to us here when you first go through it. But then as we go along, we learn more and more details, and it becomes it becomes clear that this is the sequence of events this is what we have to go off of anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is that the last time we think about Liana is, well, I mean, at least the last time we think about her with Ned is when he is riding right through the storm before he gets attacked by Jamie Lannister. Uh huh. And so it's just a lot of, a lot of this turning at Harrenhal, a lot of Liana, we get through Ned in, in kind of these thoughts and memories at very specific times. And so this is this is one where he's he's in pain. He's um, 
you know, thinking a lot about Robert. And so he starts thinking about kind of the past and history and his family. And so he's thinking about Liana and he's also thinking about Rhaegar. And so it's just really interesting that a lot, you know, a lot of people make that connection of like a lot of the times Ned thinks about Liana, he also thinks about Rhaegar. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, at this point with the show, you know, air quote confirming R plus L equals J, I think it's just important to note though, that Gurr was kind of hinting at this all the way back in book one. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was, he was. Um, So hard to kind of... go against it and I think I think what the show misses out on is what you say what we said at the top of the show here of, of of our show the why 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 mention it why is there s- such a strong connection why does that art think of these two characters together with the promise me Ned right afterwards because that's the next bit you know too is that the two memories are, are kind of put together she's later in a in a, in a bed of blood um, she was given the, she was crowned the queen of love and beauty. And then later on, um, we get a little, a little nugget here about the tower of joy, right? So, so there's that. And actually he kind of did it in reverse order, didn't he? So when I think about this, this book, I mean, we first get some of that tower of joy stuff before that's what you just mentioned, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And then you get sort of before the tower of joy, you've got the tourney at Hall now, and you're getting some of the, oh, wow, he crowned her the queen of love and beauty. And then. Uh, later on, she's making asking Ned to make this promise. So when you try to put the two together, that that's the kind of thing that that George does is is he really makes you pay attention to the sequence of events. He might give you the second part, then go back give you the first, then give you the fourth, and then give you the third. It's just it's crazy. That's why we we kind of know we've studied all the way up through a Dance of Dragons and even into Winds now, so we kind of understand these events. But when they're first coming out, you can see how complex this is, right? So yeah. don't want to no, abs- don't, don't yeah. take away from that. Oh, absolutely. And it's not just that. It's also, you know, something that we're, the show misses out on, as you said, is the kind of the significance of it. I I just I just find it difficult to believe that Gurr would hint at the importance of Rhaegar and Lyanna only to have it just be a, a, a reason for Daenerys to get upset mm-hmm. in 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 the final in the final chapters. Uh, of the of the story i think it'll be it'll be much more significant in in the books yeah yeah you know another thing i wanted to mention too here is i love talking about the king's guard and i love the fact that jamie lannister is mentioned among these greats so left over uh as far as king's guard members you have sir jamie lannister and sir barristan selmy and you found out in that last chapter how much sir barristan the disdain that he had for Jamie Lannister for breaking his vows. And I just have a, a quick little, cause I was doing a little research for some of our stuff coming up later. Um, Barristan later on in the dance of dragons will say that he actually found it hard to keep his vows as well. Um, once he gets away from King's landing and he's, he's with Danny, he starts to kind of reveal that it was harder and harder for the King's guard to, to keep their vows to the mad King. And that's why. So, a lot of people will say, well, Jamie's the one who betrayed his king and killed him. If if we go off of this tourney at Harrenhal, if if Oswald went and these other guys, Sir Arthur Dane, were helping Prince Rhaegar to overthrow his father, then they're all kind of breaking their vow in a sense. Yeah, they're all they're all accountable. Exactly. So, you know, I I just think it's interesting because that's something that Barristan it starts to grow on him more and more. And he wasn't necessarily in that 
inner circle as much as Sir Arthur Dane and, and uh, Gerald Hightower and the others were. But, uh, but yeah, so, so he starts to kind of see that. But it, it's just amazing because these are the glory days. These are some of the best of the best, and Jamie was there. And it's, it's cool later on in the series and even in the show to watch him reminisce about these characters and to see how epic Barristan is. And to, you just don't have that same caliber of knight, so it makes them stand out that much more. You know, Brienne of Tarth is one of the, um, the, the characters, one of the new characters who you could see rising to the likes of Sir Barristan and having that honor and having that um, good moral compass and everything. It's just, you know, fantastic. So, well, doesn't uh, correct me if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but when Barrison Selmy is in the books uh-huh. having his conversation with Danny about the tourney at Harrenhal, he talks about losing to Rhaegar because she's asking she's asking about Rhaegar and him him fighting in tournaments. Uh-huh. And I correct me if I'm mistaken, Sir Ezra, but doesn't he talk about in losing to Rhaegar if I had been more honorable that day, not if I had been a better jouster. But if I had been a be- if I had been I think more you're honorable, right. yep, I think you're right. He would have beat he he maybe he would have beaten Rhaegar, and then none of this would have ever happened. Right, exactly. And and I'll just go ahead and read the the one part that I had uh, here as well because I think it's really interesting. Yeah. So he starts the question, and that makes you think, Sir Matt, that like was he supposed to? <laughs> okay, because we kind of gloss over Rhaegar Targaryen um, unhorses Sir Arthur Dane. Okay, we we can't talk to Sir Arthur Dane. We don't have him here to tell us that he let himself be unhorsed. But it seems like from Sir Barristan that maybe that's what the Kingsguard did, right? Absolutely. And so and so that's something that that I think he kind of struggles with. So yeah, that's a real that's a really good point. So later on in the Dance of Dragons, he says this. He says he had sworn his vows before the eyes of gods and men, and he could not in honor go against them but the keeping of those vows had grown hard in the last years of king Ares' reign he had seen things that pained him to recall and more than once he wondered how much the blood um, how much of the blood was on his own hands if he had not gone into duskendale which we talked about we talked about um house hollard and we talked about duskendale um, and how he went in there to rescue Ares. So he said if he hadn't gone there to rescue Ares from Lord Darkland's dungeons, the king might well have died there as Tywin Lannister sacked the town. Then Prince Rhaegar would have ascended to the Iron Throne, uh, mayhaps to heal the realm. So Barristan's even questioning himself, like, what if I wouldn't have done anything? You know, and, and so all of these little nuggets lead you to believe that there was a major issue with the Mad King. And if we go off the show and you find that Danny, if she does become the Mad Queen, if you have a lot of characters like Barristan around saying, guys, I wish I would have done more with in regards to the Mad King. And now I see a Mad Queen starting to emerge. I could then see why they would want to do what they're going to do. Does that make sense? You know, I could see. Absolutely. Yeah. More of those people kind of saying, "Okay, holy crap, we should have done more. For Prince Rhaegar, we should have helped him. It would have been breaking our vows. It would have been dishonorable. But the realm would not have suffered as less. And that's the cool thing about this chapter is that Varys is, um, he's for the realm. Whatever is, is good for the realm, that's what he's seeking. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of what Barristan is struggling with. And, and maybe that's the same thing Jamie had struggled with, too. It's like, wait a second. I mean, he's, he's the newest member. And if the king truly, if the Mad King truly was going to burn the city... 
and destroy all of those people, kill innocent lives, and he saved them by killing the king, then he's a true hero, <laughs> even though he's he's broken his vows. It's just that that's the that's the spot that George puts us in. It's it's wild. I love it. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to find that Barris and Selmy quote um, here. Uh, I know it's something we're going to be talking about in our mega our mega theory. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll have to. Find so I'm just gonna, actually I'll just tease a little bit of it because I have it uh, here. Sure. So, you know, certainly it says um, talking about possibly a conspiracy mm-hmm. going on at the at the tourney. Surely Barristan wouldn't let Rhaegar win, would he? Not willingly, but he certainly would if he was commanded to. And it seems to have a strange awareness that Rhaegar and Arthur Dame were perhaps up to something in this tournament that he wasn't privy to. Um, because he says, if I had been a better knight, if I had unhorsed the prince in the last tilt, as I unhorsed so many others, it would have been for me to choose the Queen of Love and Beauty. A Dance with Dragons, chapter uh, 57, Barris and Selmy. Yeah. Well, it's maybe not be a Barristan Selmy chapter, but that's his his quote. Chapter fifty seven is probably a Danny chapter. Uh huh. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's 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 something. That's something. If I had been a better knight, yeah. So there you go. Right. If I had yeah. been, if I had been a better knight, he doesn't say if I'd been a better. If I'd been better at jousting. Right. If I had been a better. If I had been a better knight. Right. That's crazy. That's crazy to think about. So, uh, that's why there's so much attention given to it, and that's why we're gonna do the four part series. <laughs> It's simple. Yeah, Plain essentially. Simple. Yeah, okay. All right, cool. So um, let's move on a bit here because we do have another major character who shows up. We've got uh, the turnkey uh, who turns out to be Lord Varys, right? He's he's in disguise. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Eddard is starting to think, are they going to... He only had water for the longest time, and he's like, are they, are they trying to kill me? You know, if they wanted me dead, why wouldn't they just... Why wouldn't they kill me? And, you know, he's holding on to the hope that Tyrion Lannister is still captured by Catelyn Tully, by Catelyn Stark, but she's gone. We know she's gone. And he finds out in this chapter from Varys that, no, you, your your life is not safe right now. Yeah. Although, yeah. And not, yeah. And not, yeah, not only do they have Tyrion, they also have Sansa. So, uh-huh. exactly. Exactly. So now it, you know, the young wolf is moving, and 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 again, Cersei doesn't want the fight. She wants everyone to bend the knee, you know, just accept this and let's move on. And it'll be kind of this, you know, little shadow or whatever. But you know, Eddard is when he's cursing these these people, and he tells Varys, you know, they it's treason. They betrayed my friend Robert, and they crippled my son, um, and now they're threatening my daughter. You know what I mean? It's it's a lot for him to kind of stomach. And say, and he says, my, my life is not worth, he's like, whatever, my life's not worth it. And that's where we'll get to the um, part where he kind of says, well, what about Sansa? We have Sansa. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I th- yeah. And, and I think he learns, I think he learns a lot about the Game of Thrones here You're right. uh, because he realizes he's lost, I think, and that they, they have it. And, you know, it, Varys is basically talking a lot about, we get a lot of insight about Varys and who he really serves. And this is where we start to get that. I serve the realm. I want peace. I think that, um, you know, coming from nothing, I've, I've seen the power that these noble Lords have, and it doesn't really do anything good for the people. And while the game of Thrones is being played, it's the lies of the innocent who suffer. Yep. Uh, she, you know, he talks about, Cersei's nightmare, as it was, I mentioned earlier, is is the you know the one the one true king, Stannis Baratheon, laying siege to King's Landing, 
well, that's great for them, but you know, what, what does that, what does that do for the, for the innocent people? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And, and you know, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. He, he's even trying to level here a little bit with that art because he says he gives him, you know, he wants more information on, on who killed Robert. He kind of believes that he was killed. And, and he remember, he, remember when Varys hands him the, the wine skin, he thinks it's poisoned because he's, he's almost probably thinking before Robert uh, died that someone put something in his wine. The wine was too strong or something. And indeed he is drinking strong wine here, but Varys takes a big swig from it. Um, first just to let him know that that's not it but he says uh he does kind of confirm that that uh it you know Cersei um, oh indeed Cersei gave him the wineskin and told him it was Robert's favorite vintage um a hunter lives a perilous life if the boar had not done for Robert it would have been a fall from a horse a bite of the wood adder an arrow gone astray the forest you know is basically perilous and uh yeah so so they were trying to do him in so he kind of he kind of gives Eddard that and says, but you know, really, you wouldn't give that to someone unless he's truly lost. There is no way out here, and he's trying to help him see that. Like, you can help end this by confessing your crimes. I think he even says later that Cersei will be the next person to come see him and is going to want, maybe will 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 offer him um, this bargain, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So. Okay. Oh, here, 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 here's a good part. Yeah. The, so Cersei is frightened of you, my lord, but she has other enemies she fears even more. Her beloved Jamie is fighting the River Lords even now. Lysa Aaron sits in the Eyrie, uh, ringed in stone and steel, and there is no love lost between her and the Queen. And Dorne, the Martells still brood on the murder of Princess Elia and her babes. And now your son marches down the neck with a northern host at his back. So she has a piece to play here with, with Eddard. That's that's the the, the offering I have him and let's make peace really is what she's hoping. And if she can do that and if she can somehow win the loyalty of the Starks and, and kind of have um, a loose um, you, uh, alliance, if you will, then we're going to be okay. Because the last thing they want is for Dorne to, you know, go back to what Dorne used to be in the days of, of Aegon the Conqueror. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and not, uh, uh, what, what, what are their words again? Unbowed, unbent, unbroken, you know, and so uh, back to raiding and, and they hate the Lannisters. I mean, they hate. Them, Absolutely. Right. We see that um, later on, but uh, just because of the treatment of their of their mm. princess. So, yeah. And so when, when Varys starts talking a little bit about Sansa, that they have your child, Ned pleads, no, um, gods have mercy. And he says Rhaenys was a child too, Prince Rhaegar's daughter. And then. This is uh, so. I mean, that in itself is is important. But this is how for for the people who are just coming in from the show, this is how literally important every line is in the books. <laughs> he starts talking about a cat, and it's only it's 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 a handful of lines. But there are literally so many theories about this cat, yeah. and they all stem from like this one, you know, few few lines here, right? Uh, she had a black kitten she called Balerion, did you know? I always wondered what happened to him. Rainies liked to pretend that he was the true Balerion, the black de- the black dread of old, but I imagine the Lannisters taught her the difference between a kitten and a dragon quick enough. Um You know, and so but just the, those those like three lines about Balerion the Black Dread and this cat, right? It's the same cat that Tommen sees, mm-hmm. and it's the same cat that's running around. And there are people that have theorized that people have warged into that cat and all this stuff. But oh, yeah. it just shows you that I mean, um 
every line in the books is so important. Yeah, because Ger, that's like this is the kind of ultra deep weaving that Gur does. Well, you know, when I was originally doing my uh, Rainey's uh, being the Sphinx sort of theory, which, by the way, I'm going to go ahead and post on Patreon as a blog. I just thought I would do that, um, even though George has come out and the so spake George and uh, so spake Martin and, and said that Rainey's is dead. He could be lying. And I had a lot of people send me messages saying, you know, Sir Ezra, it, it could be uh, <laughs> it still could be a thing. There's a lot of symbolism. There's a lot of imagery of of uh, cats surrounding the Sphinx. So it's so. Anyways, I just I, I was thinking of that. So that is the layer that that he adds into to to some of his writing. So um, I don't know, man. It just had me thinking so much about those those young kids and whether they lived. And then, as you say, you know, did someone warg into this? Uh, did someone skin change into this cat? And we're told later on that cats are super hard to uh, skin change into and they were recommended by Veramir not to to skin change into cats just because of their nature right uh i don't know man is is Balerian the cat uh, azor high it's the question that keeps me up at night right <laughs> so that's a good question yeah so yeah so uh and then i just i just like the the last line of the uh of the of the chapter here where uh, Varys is just saying the choice, my dear uh, Lord Hand, is entirely yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, entirely yours. Uh, it's tough. So, you know, r- basically he has to either confess that he is a traitor and that um, Joffrey is the one to one true king, or they're going to, you know, Sansa could there could be an accident where she is killed. And you know, another thing that they're worried about, Eddard thinks about this in the beginning of the chapter, that um, Robert's brothers, Stannis and Renly, he doesn't know that they're at, they're at odds with each other. He thinks they're going to be mounting a force and they will be on, you know, raiding or or um, they will be at the gates of King's Landing before anyone else. He thinks they'll be there first. So yeah, in all of that confusion and, and, and in that time of war, Sansa could be lost. And that's sort of what Varys is trying to play at here with him. So he has to make that confession or, or, you know, risk losing his daughter, which is tough. That's what breaks him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Awesome. So yeah, kind of a, it's a little bit of a shorter chapter, but, um, some really cool stuff about the tourney at Heron Hall. And I think you just get some of the, yeah, the depth of the game of Thrones and the consequences of it, which is very important moving forward because, Every choice you make, you know, the choice, my dear Lord Hand, is entirely yours. Um, all of our characters face these these really, um, you know, interesting choices, and they have major consequences, whether it be for themselves or for a whole region or, or what have you. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of a theme that plays out in the next several books. So, mm-hmm. oh, okay. all right. Well, uh, Sir Ezra, I think we have some ravens to discuss here. So uh, I'll go ahead and read this first one here. This is from uh, Travis. He sends us a lot of stuff on Instagram. With all the rumors about George being done with Winds of Winter, it made me start thinking, and I was wondering what you guys think. Do you guys think John's parentage will be revealed in Winds of Winter, or do you think George will tease us further and wait for a dream of spring and finally tell us? Hmm. Um, well, I think if he does, I think it's going to be like the one of the last things in the book. I think it'll be one of the very last things. That in, we, winds of in winds of winter going into this next book yeah i think it could happen similarly with a brand vision mm-hmm. 
Um, I would also, I also don't think that Jon Snow himself will find out until a dream for spring. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That we, that we, the reader may know and we're getting clued in and we may know more than our character. Okay. Based on what Mm -hmm. other, other characters in, in, in the series. No. Yeah. That would be, that would be suspenseful, uh, and, and interesting. I still just, you know, when we were talking about season eight and we wanted to know like, Okay, cool. If we, the audience, can kind of we we get it, we trust Bran. We know that Bran is having these visions, but who is going to trust him? Danny surely doesn't. She was like, so basically, you heard this from Sam, and you heard it from Bran. You know, your best friend and your brother, they've told you mm-hmm. this. Like, mm-hmm. what other evidence is going to be there to convince the realm? Which makes you think. You know, ultimately in season eight, it. Did it matter? It mattered in that it turned Danny kind of mad and it turned her kind of crazy. So if she really does like John and and she thinks he has a better claim to the throne, which, you know, I mean, I don't know. Which, by the way, if that's the way it goes down and that and John has a better claim than Danny, and then that would tell me that this young Griff character is dead before that happens. And right. and something happens there because he ha- he would have the best claim or he is actually uh, found out to be a false dragon. So... Mm-hmm. I, I think that'll take place first, but um, yeah, man, I, 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 I there's got to be way more. I, there has to be a Helen Reed situation. There has to be another character who was there, uh, who who can attest to these things. Or again, we we've talked about who sent Eddard Stark to the Tower of Joy. Whoever sent him there, however he got that information, that person was in King's Landing, and I think of Varys. And I think of other people who may know the true identity of Jon Snow or just at least know that, uh, I don't know. I mean, again, (laughs) like we may know that Lyanna is his mother, but then you've got to make the connection to Rhaegar. Uh, It's going to be a lot. It's still a lot to kind of figure out, you know, so interesting but I to point blank I think I, I think we'll get it right at the ends of winds of winter and whether John knows it or not um, it'd be kind of neat if we know and he doesn't beforehand um, but I think hopefully by the last chapter of the book in winds of winter he'll know or right at the very beginning of the first book uh, so he can kind of you know have time to deal with that uh, if, if if you will so mm-hmm. yeah yeah do you think though do you think it will go down like with Sam learning it simultaneously <sighs> um, kind of the way Sam kind of weird, oddly learns some some information about it. You know, I, I think the whole there being an annulment between Elia Martell and Rhaegar in the show, I think that is going to happen in the, in, in, in the books, right? They wouldn't just make that up because that's something in the histories. That's a flashback before the series starts. I feel like that's information you have to get from the author, Right. I just, I just, so yeah, I think he's going to, to figure that out. Um, he, while he's here, while he's down in old town at the Citadel, he'll come across that. And it may just be like it is in the show that he doesn't quite know what it means. Okay. So mm-hmm. what, you know, Rhaegar left Ellie Martell. Yeah. We, we kind of figured that there was something going on because clearly he passed her over for Lyanna Stark to be the queen of love and beauty. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, so that's going to happen. But then, what the just because is are we going to see a secret marriage? You know what I mean? It is because that's my thing. If there's an annulment between Elia Martell, then was there a marriage between Liana and Rhaegar? Was there an official marriage? Like, does that make John 
legitimate, or is he still a bastard? Is he still bastard-born of Rhaegar Targaryens? Do you, does that make sense? Well, if if Lyanna, if if they would have to be married, that's what I'm saying. What right, you know, in, yeah. in in the show, we see like we get a shot of that, right? We get like what looks like a ceremony, but then Sam just has the the line from the text that says that there was an annulment between uh, Rhaegar and his first wife. Well, we would need to. But see, they were, but they were wed in a secret ceremony. Yes, yeah, I'm saying. So we would need to in in the books. We would need all of that as well. So oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, we would need both pieces. Um, where do we get that in the show? Where did we get that piece that they were wed in a secret ceremony? Did Sam tell well, us Brand, that? Brand sees it. Okay, again. So there you go. So you've got Sam who sees an annulment, and then Brand sees a marriage. So yeah, you put the two together, it works. But it it's, goes back to what Danny says, which is these are your you know, this is your brother and your best friend. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. really, that's why I think you need a third person like Helen Reed or you need like someone like Varys who says, yeah, hey, here was Rhaegar's plan. Here's here's the, you know, the gist of it. He needed, he felt like he believed in the prophecy to the point where he needed a third head of the dragon. So he sought out Lyanna and um, maybe that came about because she was the Knight of the Laughing Tree. Who knows? Um, and his, his plan, maybe, maybe it changed. I don't know that he went to the tourney at Harrenhal thinking he was going to see Lyanna Stark and marry her. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't know. I don't, I, I, we'd have to, we'll, we'll get there when we get into the Patreon series. I know Sir Matt and I are going to do some major heavy digging there. Right. But, um, so I, th- I when I talk about a curveball that happens at the tourney at Harrenhal, I think it's her. I think it's the night of the laughing tree. It's the Highland Reed experience. It's the thing that Rhaegar didn't expect. And he maybe gets, I thought, almost derailed from his whole conspiracy to pursue this, this uh, prophecy or to fall in love with, uh, you know, the she wolf. So, but yeah, yeah. I just think you need another person besides Sam and Bran. So who's that yeah. going to be? Who's I think, I think, it, I think we'll get that Helen Reed. Yeah. I hope I want, I want to hear from Helen Reed for sure, because I actually think Jojen was deceived in a sense. And I think there, there's a lot of deceiving going on with three eyed crow, quite frankly. So there's there's still a lot more to happen. You know, one of the most important chapters in Winds of Winter is going to be that very that very first Brand chapter. Oh, we, absolutely. Because how because Jojen has been foreseeing his death. Um, they're gone. They're right. They're they're missing right at the. I haven't read all the Winds of Winter chapters. There's not one on Brand, is there? Let me check. No. Okay. <laughs> it's, like, it's like holy smokes. Because uh, I feel like that's the that's where we're going to get a, a crap ton of of answers here. Um. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. So yeah, that's just kind of my my thoughts. Do you have any? Um. I don't know. I mean, do you, how, how do you think it's going to go down, Sir Matt? Oh, I mean, I already kind of said it. I think it's going to be. I think we'll get a either a brand flashback, and then I think Helen Reed will be more important. I think it'll be more prevalent in telling the story. Do you think the realm will believe that, though, or does it even matter? Yes. Okay. I think they will. You think they'll believe Helen Reed and Samwell and Bran? Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. When do you think that will be shared? We're kind of speculating here a little bit. When would that be shared with the realm? Is it shared to John first? How do they put all those pieces come together? Well, see, I think that, see, I, I think that it's, it's going to be flipped in the books. I think that the night King or, you know, there isn't really a night King character in the books mm-hmm. yet. Cause I do think, I do think they're just going to have, Right now, it's just the others. But I do think that there will be a just a one White Walker 
thing. You got you kill this one, you kill all of them. You know, he's kind of their leader character. Mm-hmm. Whether he whether that we get flashbacks of him being like the first one created by the children, all that stuff, I don't know. But I do think obviously the others are an issue they're going to have to deal with at some point. I think see that's where I think the difference of and I talked a lot about this in my um, the episode I did on Patreon the the musing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that Daenerys's invasion is going to happen and it's going to have much more to do with young Griff's invasion. Mm-hmm. I think okay. that I think that they will kind of go together and I think Cersei may I mean Cersei may get removed from power a lot earlier. I just I don't know if 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 Cersei is going to get put off or perhaps maybe you get maybe it's not that Euron connection, right? It's mm-hmm. Cersei and young Griff. Okay. Yeah. Teaming up. Yeah, that could be maybe even that because the, because because we find out that he is a false dragon and he needs some legitimacy so he you know gets kind of betrothed in an odd way to Cersei even though she's much older than him just so Cersei can kind of hold off Daenerys and then I do think that I I still I still think more in the books you have that that John Daenerys uh, team up mhm okay okay at Winterfell kind of like like maybe yeah. maybe it goes I I still think though that I still think though that maybe they maybe they fight off and they take the throne and then you have to deal with the with the others yeah man cuz so even much. even if it ends with even if it ends with Bran being king I talked I talked all about this and and that musing mm-hmm. uh, cuz a lot of it you got to read the original script the original the original plan that there's that certain things have to happen in a certain order to have them tie into kind of what the original idea was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, everyone should go check that out then. Uh, yeah. Cause I think it's, it's way more complicated, right? You've got you're on, uh, there's way more many, there's Vic- way more, more moving yeah. pieces. Victorian, you know, he's out there trying to pursue Danny and, um, yeah. Yeah. So that'll be, I think that's the cool part too for us who read the books. It's like, we want to know which of those characters fill the roles that we saw in the show and what depth can be added there. So, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So let's move on here. We've got, um, Maglum, the Westward, uh, warlock here. So we haven't, uh, we will be hearing from him. Actually, we, we moved Raven's nest, by the way, friends, we moved that to, uh, what is that? June, uh, 29th, I think. Yes. Saturday, June 29th, eight o'clock Eastern standard time. Okay. Yeah. And he typically joins us and, and, uh, we're gonna have some, some rapid fire thoughts on season eight and just uh, maybe we'll get into some of this, this conversation about the books and how get into some speculation on wins and, and um, the last two books and see how some of our characters could fulfill the, the roles or the, the um, play a role in the events that we see in season eight. So, all right, here we go. Uh, as I've said before, I'm a big fan of, of Daenerys being the central hero of Game of Thrones or A Song of Ice and Fire. I like her narrative, her journey, and her struggles. I feel like she learned how to be a better leader through time and grew greatly. So naturally, I was incredibly disappointed with her ending and what happened to her character. However, rather than dwelling on unhappiness, I figured it would be best to instead try and discern the cause of her madness, assuming she is insane by the end. 
because I need to figure out how a woman who was horrified at the thought of her dragons killing a single innocent child to the point where she locked two of them underground could go uh, to being someone happy enough to destroy a city and wholeheartedly believe in doing so she freed the people from tyranny. Now, based on Tyrion's analysis in episode six, it was because Danny um, sort of built up an idea of herself as a savior when she would do brutal things to punish terrible people and save the innocent, which led her to viewing herself as always being in the right no matter what. I don't think this fully explains the behavior, however, if she had gone... Um, uh, if she had gone and, I don't know, publicly burned Cersei and all the lords allied with her, uh, I could believe that as a logical step. However, in the past, she would normally only eliminate the people directly responsible for wrongs and was never uh, above mercy. Like when she defeated the slaver army attacking Marine, then killed the two commanders who sold out the third um, in short, she always goes for those at the top of the ladder because she does not accept that people can be powerless and used. Um, I'm sorry, because she does accept that people can be powerless and used. Various suggested that she built up some grand destiny in her head, that she was to be a divine savior. She brought back the dragons. She walked into flames and lived. She um, she accrued these title, title after title, and with each her legend and ego grew. This I could believe to a degree, but it's not that well represented. In the show, for 90% of the time, she is a benevolent uh, a benevolent savior. And then right at the end, suddenly her character did a 180 and became a power-hungry maniac. If the transformation was gradual, I could believe Varys' uh, assessment, uh, but it isn't. My idea is that Danny's is still somewhat childish when she is hurt. She lashes back twice as hard. Look at Varys, for example. He abused her for years, and she cared for him. But once she reached a certain... Oh, Viserys, excuse me. Um, so Viserys, for example, had abused her for years, and she cared for him. But once she reached a certain point, and he threatened her child, she had no problem letting him die. This is a pattern repeated again and again um, against Mira Mazdur, against the warlocks, um, and against the slavers in Marine. When she views someone under her protection, especially her children, as being threatened, she becomes merciless. When she arrived in Westeros, she was, she was counseled against taking King's Landing immediately because too many people would be hurt, so she didn't. In doing so, two of her children died. She lost two of her oldest and dearest friends, Jorah and, and, and Masande. Yet when she finally did attack the city, she took it easily, even just with Drogon. Prior to her, burnt, her burning spree, hardly any civilians were harmed, and she easily took power. When the bells rung and Cersei surrendered, uh, Daenerys realized that she could have done this all along. So yeah, if she wouldn't, she basically was given the advice to not take the city because innocent lives would have been killed. And then here, you know, after she's done it, no lives were taken and she, and she lost all these other people. Why the heck did, did she wait is essentially what I'm, what I'm getting from this. Uh, she could have mm -hmm. gotten her throne far more easily if she had acted earlier. Um, even she wouldn't have lost two of her children and Masandi uh, at least would still be alive. Her rage was 
at her um her rage was at her mistakes it was at how her mercy had only harmed those she cared for and she wanted everyone else to feel the same pain she took vengeance with fire and blood or at least that's my interpretation i'd be interested in hearing what uh, anyone else thinks p.s i know this might seem controversial uh, might might seem or be a controversial thought for some but i think the ending uh, but i think the ending john got was likely the happiest ending he could get amongst no other group in Westeros um, has he felt as accepted and at home as amongst the free folk. He was able to reunite with two close friends, Tormund and Ghost, and stay somewhere uh, where his name and his blood mean nothing, and he will never be forced into a position of being king, something he clearly doesn't want. Despite how broody he looks at the end, I would say it's pretty. It's a pretty positive outcome for him, except for the second dead lover that puts a damper on things <laughs> truth cuts deepest uh, maglum the westward warlock so wow well thought out good good response there i like sort of the uh, interpretation of danny's um shift or 180 if you will into this madness some people have argued that i think sir matt and i have suggested that if there were more time if there were an extra episode or even in a several episodes a season if you will they could have showed more of that and i think there will be more of that i think we talked about the complexities um associated with like you know characters like young griff and um other blackfire slash targaryen characters that could could cause her to things are things are more complex in westeros than they are in essos and where we've seen her in essos it seems to be not black and white but it'll definitely get more complex for her and i think that's the piece where, where she's going to start to kind of shift and change a bit yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as always, you know, Maglin providing with us, us with an excellent, excellent Raven, and I agree with him. She mm-hmm. does. She she hesitates quite a lot, li- quite a lot, mm-hmm. and she 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 when she should be a dragon, right? Yeah, as, as yeah. Queen of, Queen of Thorns tells her, "Be a, you're a dragon. Be a dragon." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's that's really good, and I think we'll I think we'll see that. I'd be interested to hear uh, more from from him and from others on Danny and what happens at the end and John's outcome. So that's what we're going to be talking about on the 29th. So if you're interested in that, um, sign up at that Bannerman level tier and your voice will be heard on the podcast. Uh, we love kind of bringing different people on. Uh, we had people in the, we had a few people in the, um, in the discord server. You know, if you have questions about that or you need help getting on there, just shoot us a message and we'll try to give you some guidelines. It's pretty, uh, they send you directions as soon as you sign up and stuff, so pay attention to your email when you do that. But, yeah, we just didn't give it enough time, Sir Matt, so we, we thought uh, we would give people Absolutely. a little more advance notice, and then we'd, we'd get a really yeah, good... Yeah, we want as many people... It's also graduation season, and I know a lot of people were saying, ah, I got graduation parties. Yeah, vacation. I got go, to go to, yeah. or, you know, their kids are graduating and stuff like that, and so yeah. um, we said, you know, we'll just we'll hold off. We want to make sure everyone gets an opportunity, and we announce it with enough time that people... Uh, you know, hey, you guys are you guys are paying for a service, and we want to provide that service. Yeah, so. it, it's so much fun just to have that conversation. And dude, we get such differing opinions, and it, I think it's what's great. It's it's uh, it's awesome, you know, just to hear the ways in which people would do it or what they think is going to happen in the books. We're still speculating. We can still speculate. The series is not finished, so mm-hmm. that's what's a lot of fun about it. Okay, All my right. friend. Yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah. sir, sir Ezra, I think uh, that's it for today. Yeah, man, that, uh, yeah, it was a good episode. I, I enjoyed the, the chapter and, uh, we had two really solid Ravens. 
Um, I, I'm, I, I'm honestly looking forward to July will be the first month where we have the tourney at Heron Hall stuff. We've got some cool green dreams coming out with Lady Stoneheart, Young Griff, and um, Blood Raven. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, uh, please continue to send your ravens to us at btkcast at gmail.com. They can be about anything. They can be about the show. They can be about the books. They can be about the novellas, um, Dunkin' Egg series, anything you have questions or, or comments on. We don't doesn't necessarily have to. Now that we're back in the, the books, it doesn't have to be about the chapter we're on. Obviously, if they are, that's great. But uh, please continue to send us those, and we will read as many of those on the air as we can. We know we uh, unfortunately weren't able to get to everyone's during the season because we were just receiving so many. But now that's that's kind of slowed down a little bit. We're still getting a lot, but um, it seems uh, certainly much more manageable now. So we want to make sure everyone uh, who who takes the time to write us one gets one gets one in. And it can be as simple as, hey, what do you think about? this character or you know mm-hmm. manifesto level theory as well so yeah uh, please continue to send those we really really appreciate those yep absolutely absolutely well all right it is time to say farewell we want to thank you for playing the game of thrones in our next episode we will be discussing chapter 59 catlin 9 if you like our podcast don't forget to subscribe like us write a review or leave a comment or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com We will see you in a week and remember that winter is coming.